Velo News listeners, this is Dan Caballeri, tech editor at Velo News Magazine, coming at you with another Velo News Tech podcast. And once again, I've actually got company in the room. I'm not alone in my basement this time. I'm here with uh, the inimitable Spencer Paulison. Hey, Dan. How's it going? It's going fine, thanks. And uh, today we've uh, we've got we've got some 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 special folks in the room. Well, just a special folk, we'll say. Uh, today, I, you know, I'm going to start this off, Spencer, by saying uh, the two words I probably say most in the office when starting a conversation. That's, hey, Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> Got a question. Yeah. Do, do you use a power meter on your bike? Uh, sometimes, not always. And it also depends on which bike I'm riding okay. because that, fortunately I have many choices there. Mm-hmm. And uh, aside from uh, from getting those big power numbers uh, blasted in front of you on your computer, <laughs> do you actually do you actually know how to use it? Do you know what it does for you in terms of training, in terms of riding? What what does a power meter you think does for you? Uh, probably on a scale of one to ten in terms of knowledge, I would say I'm like a six or so with the power meter, and. Uh, I definitely need some adult supervision to make sure <laughs> it's it's being used to its fullest capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do understand it to a certain point, yes. Okay. Well, fortunately, we've got an adult in the room, and his name is Pat Warner. Pat's joining us from Stages Cycling. He is their senior vice president. Pat, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. We've got all sorts of questions for you today, um, but we're going to start real basic. Uh, so I think there's there's a fair amount of misconceptions about power meters out there. And, you know, the idea that it's this fancy thing that's for racers only and, uh, you know, you, you have to be strong to use it, you know, all these other really nutty ideas. Let's talk about it uh, and let's start real basic. What is a power meter? Okay, a power meter is simply a way to measure how much work you're doing as a rider. Um, there's lots of different ways to get there to get that measurement. But at a high level, what we're trying to achieve when you're using a power meter is how much work are you doing? So if you're going out for a ride to do intervals, you would know exactly how much work you're doing. If you are training for an Ironman and you're trying to figure out how much work and what kind of pace you can do in race day. If you're trying to beat your buddy up to the top of the local climb flagstaff, for example, you know, you can actually train to a power number and learn over time what kind of power. But the idea is so you can see while you're out riding um, how much work you're doing while you're riding. But as importantly, it is a tool for um, knowing where your fitness level is. So it does track stuff. So there's, a, there's two, two things about power. It's one, while you're riding, and two, tracking fitness. And I don't mean looking at your file second by second, but it actually is a great quantification of how much work you did on that ride. So instead of saying, I rode for an hour, you might have rode for an hour and rode really easy and didn't do very much work, or you might have killed it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Those have different amounts of work, and that will help your general tracking of fitness sure. over time. And what, what exactly are we measuring? Uh, you know, we see the, the readout as watts. Talk, talk about watts. What are watts? Okay. So the, the, the unit watts doesn't necessarily matter in the sense that it really what we're measuring is a, is a quantifiable work measurement that you can repeat. And that's the idea. But to get there, what we're really measuring is how much torque um, you are applying to um, your power meter and how fast you're moving in the angular velocity. And with those two um, measurements, then we can calculate watts. Again, watts is a known unit, um, and it's great because it is a known unit. But really what we're looking for is a number that's accurate from power meter to power meter, bike to bike, and as importantly, consistent between all of them. So the idea is if you pedal harder, 
um, your, your watts are going to go up. And the other way that you can make more power is pedal faster. Mm -hmm. So really you have two inputs to make more power, and that is the amount of force or torque or the amount of speed that you're going to apply into the pedals. Okay, so the, the name watts isn't especially important to the equation. It's more uh, a way to compare uh, across your rides essentially what you know, what number you're pushing, right? Correct. And the reason I say it's not important, it is, it's a great measurement and it's something that everybody knows, but really what we're looking for is comparative data, mm -hmm. um, across it more, more than the importance of where watt came from. It's mm -hmm. about if you did 300 Watts a day and tomorrow you do 300 Watts, or if you do 330 Watts that you would actually know the difference mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. It's like how you can't really compare speed from one ride to another, like average speed, and and feel confident that your ride was particularly better or worse, right? Because it's there's it's, there's more variables in a speed number. Correct, and that's the idea. Is no matter what type of ride you're doing, uphill, downhill, tailwind. If you if you looked at just speed, and I always use uh, since we live here in Boulder, um, Flagstaff for example. If you went and rode up Flagstaff as hard as you could go for the average cyclist, you're going to average you know you know ten miles an hour, let's say and it took you um, 30 minutes to get to the top. Um, you would do a whole bunch of work to do that, but you could go and ride 10 miles an hour on the flat for a half hour and hardly do any work. If you just took those speed numbers, you would have no idea of the kind of work or ride or workout it was. Not to mention wind and other things like that. <laughs> Today's really windy. It would be a yeah. bad day to go for a KOM on Flagstaff today, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just people like to use speed and time, but it really isn't measuring how much work you're doing. And sure. I, I would say that that's the best way to sum up a power meter is it's truly measuring the amount of work you're doing. Mm -hmm. How does it do that? What What's inside, basically, that's measuring your your power? So there's multiple types of power meters, but the, the end game for most power meters, and there are some that don't do this, um, but we'll talk about the majority out there, is they're measuring how much force you're putting into them by using a strain gauge. Um, and most people aren't that familiar with strain gauges, but it's a, it's a device that we can, in, in our particular case, um, we mount to the crank arms that measures the deflection of the crank arm, meaning that how much you're bending that crank arm when you're pedaling. Um, but these, they're super sensitive, but you can put them in different applications. You can put them in a bottom bracket, you can put them in a pedal, you can put them on a crank arm. And we're actually measuring, um, and you have to calibrate every single one of them, but you're actually measuring the deflection of the material when you bend it um, or twist it in the case of um, a BB. But um, so once we have that torque, then we have the speed. So really it's kind of like a scale. We're measuring how hard or how much weight is going into each pedal stroke. And so how does that torque uh, readout translate to watts? Is it like, you know, is it torque times speed times something else? Yes, it is. It's time the angular velocity or the speed of uh -huh. or RPM in most cases for, okay. for people to think about it in right. RPM. Right. Um, as I mentioned, there's two ways to make more power, and that's, you know, pedal harder mm -hmm. or pedal faster. Sure. And so the speed is just as important in that equation. Gotcha. So you're saying that under any amount of load, a crank arm has some minute degree of flex or torsion or whatever. Absolutely. That's crazy. Yeah. If you just like barely touch it. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. And does it and it varies from crank to crank, right? Like there's different stiffnesses of cranks. So do you have to calibrate the power meter to accommodate for that? Correct. And it, and you have to design for each material and each style of crank. Um, but yes, you you can see um, just you know the you know barely touching it, you can see. For example, the the weight of the pedal. So if you if you think about um, our power meters and most crank manufacturers, when you do a zero reset on them, we have you put them straight up or straight down. And the reason being is that pedal is 
is bending the crank arm, huh. just the weight of the pedal is. Ah. So, so they're super sensitive, and most people don't think about it, and it needs to measure the torque in both directions. But, yes, you can see um, when you barely touch your crank arm. That just totally blew my mind. <laughs> I had no idea that was why you had to do that. That's yeah. cool. Um, so I don't, I don't math real good. So explain to me what we're talking about in terms of deflection. I mean, are we talking like a millimeter? Oh, it's very small. It's not detectable to the eye. Strain gauges can um, detect the smallest amount of, mo- amount of movement if they're designed correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's not detectable to the eye. Okay, so you're never, you're never going to see your crank actually deflecting. Yeah, well, I mean, here's here's the other part about it. Every crank arm is different. Sure. You know, you can have um, some, some models flex a lot more than another, and not in the way that it's bad, as in the crank is going to flex too much that a rider is going to no- notice a huge difference, but they certainly do. Um, different models, different makes, different manufacturers um, uh, do flex differently. Yeah, like the old square taper. Or like those old, those old uh, remember those specialized uh, diamond-shaped ones yeah, yeah. from like Ooh. 20 years ago? Those things are so noodly. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, well, and then the other part about this change that people can feel sometimes is the interface to the BB. Sure. Sometimes they actually moved on the interface as much as the crank arm wasn't as stiff, so... What about uh, accommodating for things like uh, foot flex or shoe flex? I mean, is that all just margin of error stuff? Like you can't really account for it. So if it's if it's actually making its way to drive the crank forward, we're measuring it. Mm-hmm. So um, the amount of energy that you lose in, let's say, in an insole of a shoe, any of the amount of force that actually makes it into the pedal, we measure. Okay. So. Okay. So let's talk uh, about the different types of power meters. Now, I know you guys make, Stages makes uh, crank-based power meters, but there's plenty of other ones out there. What's the difference, and why do the, why do the differences matter? Yeah, there are differences. You know, so the main, main ones would be crank, spider, pedal, hubs, and BB. And there are some that, um, you know, use wind, and, and that's, that's probably the, the smallest um, amount of percentage out there. So I'll talk mostly about strain gauge ones. But there's a lot of things to take into account when you're when you're deciding what power meters for you. The placement, um, you know, you can you can have a conversation about placement. And placement can be driven by that the the most direct place to get a power measurement without putting any of the chain or any losses in is near the cranks, pedals, or spider, right? So as soon as you get on the other end of the chain, then you have some loss due to frictional losses in chain and pulley and, and, and that type of stuff. Um, and the hard part about that is it's variable. So if you have a clean chain, a fast chain, a dirty chain, it does, it does um, make a difference. We all know way more about chain drag than we ever wanted to <laughs> in the past 10 years, but um, it does make a difference. So from there, you really have to make a decision what your priorities are. There's pros and cons to them. Do you want left, right? Do you want to ride a certain style of pedal? Is there a pedal available? Do you care about weight? Um, do you want to ride, you know, a certain brand of cranks? Is there a power meter, um, for that? Do you want to take it from bike to bike to bike? And so you really have to, you have to make a list. And, and the reason we do cranks, um, is we wanted to pick a spot that doesn't wear out. So if you think about, um, cranks just don't wear out anymore. They, it's not a wear item. There's no service. There's no maintenance to them. Yes, you have a BB, but the crank itself is not going to permanently deform. Um, there's no bearings, there's no maintenance, and it's super light because we're not adding any components or weight to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's very close to the center of rotation of the crank. So, but and the pedals are a great example that some people like because they want they have five bikes and they're only going to have one power meter. 
Um, but then some people want to ride speed plays or, you know, or times or whatever else it might be. So it's really dependent on what kind of um, situation you're in, but it's, it's good to make a checklist of what's important to you when you're selecting your power manager. Sure. So is it, is it safe to say it's kind of a rule of thumb that the closer you get to the actual power source, in this case, your, your legs or your feet, uh, the more accurate your readings are going to be? Yeah, I mean, in in the difference between a pedal and a crank, there's really no energy loss. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, in the in those in that general area, yes, you're, that's where you want to be okay. to get a direct measurement. So let's let's talk about something that's um, pretty confusing, I think. Anyway, uh, you know, we've we've seen uh, stages just last, I think last year, right, came out with a dual sided mm -hmm. power meter. Before that, it was just the left side. Uh, sorry, the, was it the left side? Or the, yeah, left, yeah, side, left side, yes. That's right, yeah, I thought I had that right. You gave me a quizzical look and I doubted myself. I can't, <laughs> can't look at you. Um, what, what's the difference? What's the difference between a left-sided power meter and a dual-sided power meter, and is there any benefit? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clarify one thing first because there, there are, we call them left and left-right and total power. Mm -hmm. um, so like a total power would be a spider, which combines the torque of your left and right into one unit, right? Um, and then left-right is truly independent, meaning that you can measure your positive torque and negative torque. Most people don't think about it, but when we're measuring power, we also are measuring the negative torque um, on the opposite side. So if you're pedaling with your right foot, if you have any resistance on the left, there's a negative torque there where, um, and so you can see that in percentage. So by, you're, you're fighting yourself, essentially. Right, exactly. Okay. So the reason we did left, only first um, was when we did this in 19 or 19 2012 <laughs> I'm getting old 2012 we were all bike racers um, you know we had a history of being in the industry and we were knew there had to be a better solution than spending two to three thousand dollars per bike on a power meter um, and so we went round and round we investigated all the different places on a bike you could put a power meter you know wheels hubs chains Bottom brackets, pedals, all that type of stuff. Chains? Yeah. Well, somebody did in chain in the past, so. What? Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. How did that even work? Yeah. Well, let's stay on track. In frames. People have tried in frames as well. So we wanted to come up with a solution that was more affordable, easier to get, and you could have on all your bikes. And so when it came down to it, every bike has a crank on it, right, already. And we're like, well, it, you're not adding a lot of cost because you already have a big beam that needs to be bent every time you're pedaling it. Um, and we started making left-right power meters and testing and doing all these um, different types. And then as we got further in the development, we realized that the left-right was really not important for ma the majority of riders. And what I mean by that is if you have an injury or a hip replacement or something, you might benefit from left-right. But what we found real fast was that um, taking the left only and doubling it was really, really good number because very few people were outside of plus or minus 2% anyway, which a power meter is, that we were finding the same results on a left only and a left right. But the beauty of it was it took the cost down by more than half because the left crank arm is way less expensive than the right and the drivetrain. So it allowed people to get into a power meter that was affordable um, and um, more it, as importantly, getting good numbers and repeatable numbers. Yes, we always get, we, when we did this, we got the argument, what happens if I'm 5% off? The other part that we saw was it didn't change. It, it didn't go from one day you're 5% low on the left and 5% high on the right and then flip-flop the next day. Um, so what we decided early on was it was more important to have an accurate, consistent number um, 
and that was on every bike and you had your race data, your training data and so on, mm-hmm. um, then have another $2,000 power meter. And so we stuck to our guns, um, because we knew that it was data, um, that was working quite well. And we wanted to, um, see the results and prove it before we did a left, right. So now you have a left, right. Correct. Why? Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of it was, um, so there's been more and more studies, and we're still in the mindset of when somebody says this is what you're going to do with left-right data, um, that um, you know there will be more to learn. But a lot of it was market demand. Um, you know, people wanted left-right, and uh, you know, for example, it's not a big secret. Um, team Sky won a couple um, tours on left only. And, I've heard of this team. Yeah, and a couple uh, time trial world championships on left only. Mm-hmm. But they also wanted to test left-right and see um, what data and what they would do with it. Um, just like the consumers. So um, we developed it and, and they wrote it um, and uh, we brought it to market. It really um, has not changed um, the way people train. It really hasn't changed um, our market position. Um, it's more, there are people that are very curious about it. Um, there's been very few people that we've ever met that changed their training methodology sure. due to it. So data nerds probably want two-sided. Everybody else is going to be just fine with one-sided. The amazing part is how many people have gotten left, right? Mm-hmm. And contacts let us know and said, it's great and all, but I still like my left. Can sure. I just go back to my left? The other part that people don't talk about, now with left, right, you have two power meters. Mm-hmm. So you have two batteries. Um, you have two radio signals. You have two devices um, talking to each other. You have There, there is one, be- one other big benefit. If one dies, you still have the other. Um, and, if, and it switches and doubles your power, so you still have good numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a benefit, but for the most part, it doesn't change day in, day out. Gotcha, gotcha. Now let's talk about reliability. And this, this question is sort of, it's really broad. And I, I say it this way on purpose, but, uh, how much can we trust our data, uh, given that Watts in a sense is sort of this to, to many of us is sort of this imaginary number. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm comparing myself to Spencer, for example, like, and, and is, is 300 Watts the same to me as it is to him, you know? Um, but also what about external factors like weather, you know, <laughs> things like that? Yeah, it's a great question. So that was another part of our, our, um, um, reasoning for doing a power meter power meters. And, and I'm going to say this and some people are going to say I'm crazy. They've always been accurate in a lab. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They've been accurate in a lab, but in real life, to be honest with you in the past, and it's really changed since we've come to market, unless you followed step-by-step step the way that the manufacturer, would tell you to use it, your data day in, day out could vary quite a bit. For example, and I always like to use this as an example, world tour riders, their mechanics build their bikes and set them out in front of their buses at eight, nine in the morning. They do a five hour stage and they end at the top of a mountain. What do you think's happened in temperature during that time? A lot of manufacturers to, still to this day say, do a zero reset prior to your ride and when there's a significant temperature change. It's not realistic. And let's, let's, that's the world tour team. So there, a lot of the teams were throwing data out because they had no idea if it was good or they'd see a huge variance. So, but let's take an average rider. Can we, can we use this data consistently? And that was part of our goal with our meter was just go out and ride your damn bike. Um, <laughs> I mean, not set it outside, not let it acclimate, not let it do a zero reset. We're going to go up a climb, stop, do a zero reset. You just got to ride it. So one of the goals was to get to more consistent, reliable data. And, and one of the things that we have done 
and um, other people in the industry have copied, but was temperature compensation. So meaning that no matter what temperature it was outside, if it was 75 degrees in your house and you're getting ready to go for a ride and it was 30 degrees outside, you just got on your bike and rode. It didn't matter. It was constantly updating for that. Um, so the answer is that they've gotten a lot better in the last 10 years, for sure. Um, and, but there are still a lot that you have to read how to use them. And I, and, and I, I want to caution people that to your point exactly. Just because you got a 30% power increase and it was your best day ever, yeah. guess what? I'm sorry to be the one to disappoint you. It's probably not Rio. La, la, la. I don't hear you. I don't yeah. hear you. <laughs> is that a physical thing? I mean, is it because the strain gauge is, is colder, it's stiffer? I mean, is it really... Uh, a physical thing or what's what's really about the weather that's affecting it? it well it's due to temperature but there's a lot of influences it's not as much the material changing and the strain gauge temp changing as much as electronics changing too uh, people don't really think about it but electronics have a, a tolerance as well no matter how good of a um, tolerance um, component you buy or high tolerance um, it still is affected by temperature but it all adds up so gotcha uh, aside from weather, are there any other factors that could influence the accuracy of the, the readout? Sure. It depends what meter you're talking about, but you have to, um, again, some meters, you know, you need to run this, the right size chain rings. If not, then you need to, you know, get them recalibrated. Torque, torque on uh, spiders or torque on crank arms, that um, definitely can influence it. Bolt torque. Yeah, bolt yeah, torque. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, so when you're mounting them, you want to follow specific instructions. If you're one of those... Um, Riders that switches from bike to bike, um, if you don't torque and zero reset and follow the very specific um, protocol, you very easily could get a, a different answer. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk again about, uh, we, we already talked about location of the power meter uh, in terms of, of accuracy. Have, have power meters in general gotten more accurate over time? Again, I think it's more about going out and riding and getting more accurate. Yes, I think they have for sure. The lab may have not changed. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, in the 90s, if you were in a lab and riding an, SR, riding an SRM, it's going to be an accurate power meter. Um, but in the real world, there are so many outside influences and um, about temperature and bolt torque and what chain rings. That has all gotten better for sure. Mm -hmm. But there's still certain, you know, you, you have to know what you're riding and you have to know what the, what, what the specifications are and how to use them. Sure, sure. So now power meters have sort of taken over the discussion uh, as it relates to training uh, for, for bike racing, essentially. And I think uh, the common misconception is that I can get a power meter and I can put it on my bike and I'm going to get all this data that's going to tell me how I should train. Is that accurate? No. All right. <laughs> a, power, a power meter is a tool. Right. I mean, it really is. It's a tool. And if you're not using the tool right or don't understand how to use it, it's not going to do anything for you. Um, we um, always say the worst thing anybody could ever do is buy a stages power meter, put it on their bike, and their buddy asks them, well, what do you think? And he says, well, tells me how many watts I'm doing, and that's all they know about <laughs> it. I mean, that's that's like that's the worst thing that can happen. So there are, you know, including with us and other, other coaching programs or whatever tool you – you know, other tools you're going to bolt onto it. But understanding what you're doing with that data is really important and how to use it, how to perform a proper workout, um, what are your zones. You'll hear everybody talk about their zones or their um, threshold. Um, but once you understand that, then it can be a great tool to make you sure. faster. You know, how hard to go and for how long mm -hmm. um, is really what you're getting to. Yeah. 
And I, so I want to bring up two, uh, two terms that anybody who picks up a power meter, you're going to hear these two terms. Uh, well, one is a term, I guess, and the other is just sort of a, a, a way you use a power meter. The first one is watts per kilo, mm -hmm. and the other is the intersection between watts and heart rate. Mm -hmm. So as a, you, know, you say a power meter is a tool, how does it intersect with heart rate, and how does it intersect with this reading of watts per kilo that we, we keep hearing about? Well, heart rate's always been a good metric, and it's still something that everybody should use um, because you can still learn stuff from heart rate. The negative to heart rate, which is, you know, um, we've been talking about for years now, is it slow to respond. Um, one of the biggest trends we saw when people do intervals without power is they overshoot their target pace or target power by a lot. Let's say they're doing a minute-long interval. Well, the first 10 or 15 seconds, they're way up in their VO2, and then guess what happens? They drop way below where they're supposed to be, and they spend the next 30 seconds or 45 seconds trying to work their way back. Well, if you're watching your heart rate, your heart rate isn't going to react anywhere near fast enough to do those shorter intervals. Or power, if you say you're doing um, an interval at 450 watts, you can see that within seconds if you're there or not. So heart rate is great, um, but it changes day to day as well. It's a good indicator of how tired you might be. Um, over trends. Um, if you're tired, it might be high. If you're dehydrated, it might be high. So it does, it does um, change where power measurement doesn't change. If you're doing 300 watts, you're doing 300 watts. Heart rate, if you're, you know, if you average um, in your threshold, you did 155 um, heart or beats per minute, you know, for a 20 minute sec section. And then tomorrow you did 160. You might have done the exact same amount of power you wouldn't know. Um, but then watts per kilo is a completely different conversation. Um, watts per kilo is really, people use it as a baseline, and it's a great baseline if you're a tour rider or you're doing all these climbs um, for a living. Just like me. <laughs> yeah, like us all, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but for the average consumer, watts per kilo, um, it's not that important. I mean, it is if you are trying to win a stage race or – but it's really about making the most power. But if, you, if you're going to race a local criterium, watts per kilo really doesn't matter. You'd be better off having way more watts um, <laughs> right. as, a, as a, you know, a possibility in, in your tank mm -hmm. than being super light and doing less watts because sure. it's actually going to be harmful. So you hear a lot of people talk about it, um, you know, if they're out um, – you know, trying to get a faster time up a climb or whatever than their buddies. But the tour guys talk about it all the time because there's such a distinguishing um, days in the mountains, right? I mean, yeah. we all know that, that the sprinters can't climb and the, and the climbers can't sprint. But, but it's really dependent on what you're training for. But it, you hear about it when you're talking about the pro peloton, but it's not near as important to 99% sure, of the people sure. out there. So just to back up and summarize, so power and heart rate matter – uh, independently of each other, if you think about it, but also you can use the power as sort of the baseline and measure your heart rate against it to sort of get a sense of a whole, like a whole picture of what kind of work you're doing, uh, especially over time. Yeah, I mean, really, the goal is to be able to make more power at lower heart rate, right? right? right. I mean, that's, that's that's the end goal is you want to be able to make the or you know or way more power at that same heart rate. And if you can or do longer that, or longer, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. You're, you're trying to train your body to do more within its capabilities. Right. The heart rate is a tachometer sort of, right. That's mm -hmm. how I think of it at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So comparing one against the other sort of gives you a bigger, bigger picture of what your body's doing. Correct. Uh, and a great way to track all that stuff is, I mean, there's plenty of online, uh, training platforms and, and, you know, aggregate data sites and things like that where you can upload your rides to get a sense of what your numbers are over time. Uh, and so let's, let's also step back to watts per kilo. 
So you're saying when I'm riding Zwift, I can stop paying attention to that little number? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously there it matters, but um, again, it depends on how much, how long the climbs are and how yeah. much power you can do. I mean, that's that's the whole the whole trick is mm-hmm. is what are you training for and what do you what do you really want the outcome to be? Um, yeah, on Zwift, I, I suppose people are are paying attention to that. Sure, um, but I also think that we're gonna have to include a scale with everybody that rides <laughs> Zwift yeah. real soon too. Yeah, it's right. easy to game that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, to your point of how the Grand Tour riders, the professional riders, are so fixated on watts per kilo, or at least maybe we think they are. I don't know if they really are, but what what's your perspective on this ongoing conversation of like whether power meters should be banned from pro racing? You know, this with you know you work with Team Sky, you're you're tight with this professional team that's arguably the best in the world. I, I mean, can you see them have this sort of focus on on power when they're racing? Is it obvious that that's actually what's happening, or is this kind of a, uh, it's a something lost in communication? I think it's both. I'm not going to comment on exactly what they do, obviously, um, but I think that it also depends on what kind of stage and and what type of race. Obviously, time trialing is you know most people know exactly what their targets are for time trialing. But the one thing that I think everybody is missing when they're talking about this conversation, they're all talking about um, controlling the field. But I also think that people are missing the boat that people are in the break. They're using power too. I mean, it's always talking about the people that are chasing people down, but everybody's using power. And I think that's the part that people are, are missing. Um, it's not, maybe they wouldn't be able to go as hard because, or they would go too deep or whatever, or they're holding on. But I, I think that's the part that people are missing. But the, it certainly plays a part. But I will say that at, once you get to that level, they spend so much time um, in training that they know they have a good idea um you know they're not plus or minus one and a half percent like the meter on their bike but they certainly have a good idea of where they are i mean i think all of us ride with power meters regularly can get on and say you know if your threshold let's say your threshold's 330 watts you know if you're doing 360 watts because you're not gonna be able to sustain it very long you know that pretty fast and you're gonna know if you're doing 275 watts um so it's not it's not a black and white thing like some people make it out to be that they're going well we can ride you know 415 watts not 414 it's a general it's a general observation and the part that we all have to remember is everybody has a good day and a bad day you don't have your pr every day so even if you're even if you're supposed to be riding at 400 watts on the last climb it doesn't mean you can um and it also means if somebody attacks it doesn't mean you'd look down and go well i'm at my max i'm not going to follow so you know it, there's 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 pros and cons with it but i don't think it would change the racing all that much yeah and to, to that point how often do you come upon professional riders who purposefully don't look at their power in races. Is that a common thing? Uh, it certainly happens. I mean, there are riders out there and it's fun to go look at what their head units actually are displayed. And like a lot of times it's time and distance to go or whatever, you know, because sometimes it's, uh, it's, uh, I'll use an example for me, like, um, on my recovery scores, like race day, I won't look at it because the fear is, well, if it says I'm bad, I'm going to, yeah. in my mind, I'm going right. to be like bad. So to your point exactly, if you look down and you're like, ooh, this is really high, I can't do this very long. Whereas if you don't look at all, then you just keep going as long as you can. I, on my computer, all I have is like distance to next burrito. <laughs> stuff. Now, we've, we've talked a lot about racing and training and things like that. Uh, is is, is a power meter really only useful for racers? Is it really only useful for people who are training for something? Absolutely not. I mean, it, it, the nice thing about power is it's, it's, a, 
it's measuring how much work you're doing. So it doesn't really matter what your goal is. It certainly does not have to be a raise. Um, maybe you're trying to do a century ride for the first time. Um, and you want to be able to feel good in the last 20 miles. Um, let's say you're doing a century ride and it's a big one and you got, you know, a thousand riders and you start and your threshold's 200 watts. Well, you've been training for it. You've been training for it. Been training for it. It's real easy to get um, pulled into doing 220, 240 watts in the first half hour, hour. All you have to do is look down and go, I can't sustain this for 100 miles. Um, but it, it, it's good for any type of riding. If you want to beat your buddy up the climb and that's all you do. Um, if you want to lose 100 pounds, if you want to lose 50 pounds, you know how much work you're doing. It's a great calculation directly converted into calories. So um, it's really a tool for anybody that wants to measure anything in, in, in their progress. It doesn't matter if it's to win the next race. It's just about reaching that next goal or that next stage of fitness or bike riding. Is there any other use for uh, the power meter uh, beyond, you know, compiling your post-ride data? I mean, is there something in real time? You know, if I'm looking at it on the on the ride, is there something that my watts can tell me? Um, as a non-racer? Yeah. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, you... Over time, let's say you don't even know what your threshold is. You, you've never done a threshold test and you don't even know what the word threshold is. You learn pretty quick where you can ride. Like, so, you know, if you're out, if you're trying to do a two-hour ride, then you you start to learn. If that's if your goal is to go as fast as you can over that two hours, you learn real quick what that number means. I mean, if it's, you know, let's take a casual cyclist. If they're seeing 350 watts, they're not going to ride there very long. And they learn real quick what that what their threshold is without actually doing a threshold test. So it certainly is a pacing tool for the, the casual cyclist as well. Mm-hmm. Big question here. Uh, just, you know, look at the Adonis before you, this beautiful, strong, <laughs> totally in shape dude. Uh, will the power meter make me faster, better at riding bikes? Will it make me beat my buddy to the next stop sign? The power meter itself won't. But if you use it as a tool to train effectively, it will. Training effectively becomes a lot easier with a power meter. So I always like to say most people don't ride hard enough and most people don't ride easy enough. And with a power meter, you can measure that and everything in between. What, uh, what are we forgetting about power meters? What, what, do we, what do people need to know that we haven't covered? Um, I, think, I think you've covered a lot of it, but I, I think the, the stress and the point about um, that it's really a tool that everybody can benefit from. But I will also say that it's important to get a great training program, a great coach, somebody read about it, do some homework to make sure that you're utilizing the tool. Um, Because if you, if you buy a power meter, bolt on your bike and expect it to pedal the bike for you, it's (laughs) not going to happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's an e-bike. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I think that, I think that it's, it's a little bit about education. For example, um, you know, in stages link, we have, if you, if you're new to it and you don't want to hire a coach, you can say, I want to compete in this. I want to ride a hundred miles. And it will tell you specifically, um, minute by minute, um, workouts that you can do and learn how to use a power meter to be more effective. And then once you have that, then, then, then you've got a tool for life to understand on how to train and how to get better. 
Awesome. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Spencer, do you have any more questions before we wrap it up? Mm, I think that's all for me. All right. We, we got it. We got everything out. We all know everything about power meters now. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. So uh, for all you guys listening, if you have questions about anything we talked about today, please tweet at Brown Tide Dan. And don't forget to comment and subscribe to the Bell News Podcast. And thank you guys for listening to us babble on about power. We'll see you next time.